is up, everybody? How you doing today? Happy Memorial Day weekend. This is a big weekend. It's a weekend where we celebrate and we remember those who lost their life in service to defend our nation, the freedom of our nation. So can we just give a huge hand to all of our family members and people who, man, big, big, big weekend. It's also a weekend where I'm going to take some time to celebrate some of the legacy and the heritage in my own family. And this is not military service related, but this is a service to the kingdom of God. My grandparents, Watson and Erica Klutz, um, they, about 40 years ago, they prayed a prayer that said, God, I'm gonna go all in to serving your kingdom. I'm gonna go all in to serving you. And God, the last 40 years of my life, my granddad prayed this prayer 40 years ago. He said, the last 40 years of my life, I've spent serving myself and the next 40 years, if you give me 40 more years, God, I'll spend every single one of them serving you. And he just celebrated his 80th birthday this week. And so, yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. So 40 years ago, they kind of prayed that prayer and it set them on a journey. They uh, ended up moving to Germany. My grandma is German. My granddad is American. They met in America. They ended up moving to Germany. He felt a call of God on his life to go start a church in Germany, and so they started this church in Germany um, in 88, 89, something like that. They started a church in Germany there, and they actually started several churches in Germany and um, have been so, so, so fruitful in the kingdom of God. And just this last couple years, they've been transitioning the church to Philip and Janine, who are my age, so they transitioned the church to them. They are German, a German couple. My granddad said that he felt like God told them that you're gonna transition this church to a German couple. Um, and so he moved there, started the church, but then he handed the church over to a young German couple there that was essentially born and raised in the church. They're an amazing couple, and they're doing amazing, amazing stuff in the church right now. The name of the church now is Cardia Church. It's called Cardia because Cardia is the Greek word for the word heart, and then literally church just to honor the legacy that it was started by an American uh, man. And so Cardia Church now in Germany, and they have a building that is paid for, paid off, that was a part of kind of the transition that they had been meeting in. But they also now are meet, meeting in movie theater, in a movie theater in Germany and in the middle of COVID and all that. They've done such a great job and they wouldn't have been able to do the job they're doing had they not been raised up in a church that modeled Love for people, love for God. I mean, their, their whole thing is not a flashy production with cool, you know, all that stuff. They, they do really a great job with all that. But the reason why their church is successful is because they love God and they love people. And when you love God and you love people, you're going to build a successful church. Because when you love God and you love people, like, God is going to do his work in the church. And so um, they're doing a great job there. I thought it would be really cool today for us to take a couple of minutes and try to honor a legacy and honor a heritage from my grandparents of 40 years of ministry, and we're, we're going to try to condense 40 years of ministry into 30 minutes of discussion. There's no way that that's going to happen, but we are going to try the best that we can to condense 40 years of ministry into 30 minutes. This is not pre-planned or pre-thought, so I don't know where the conversation is going to go, but I know it's going to be good. This is not a message you prepare for. This is a message that has been in the works for the last 40 years. This isn't a message you sit down and you say, 
okay, what are we gonna do here? What are we gonna do here? This is a message where for the last 40 years of ministry, they've been working on a message, and today we get to hear kind of their life's message, if I could say it that way. Um, I'm gonna kind of just give you a couple backstories real quick before they come up. Um, my grandparents, the people that are about to come on stage are smugglers. <laughs> they smuggled Bibles into communist countries back in the day, and they smuggled children out of communist countries to reunite them with their parents. That's pretty crazy. I told that story last service, and my grandma was just laughing, and I'm like, you know it's true, grandma. And she's like, I know it's true. <laughs> she said, that's not something you, she, she said, I'll never forget when we did that. And I'm like, grandma, that's not a story you forget when you smuggle a kid out of a country. You don't forget that story, right? Um, but they smuggled Bibles into countries. They smuggled children out of countries. They had um, uh, vehicles where they converted the gas tank where it was the gas kind of half, half the tank was gas and half of it was full of Bibles so they could get them in and out of communist countries. Pretty crazy. Um, they started many churches in Germany. They started Eurochrist Ministries, which has done all kinds of stuff. They have had a, an amazing track record. For whatever reason, God brings them the most burnt out, people, the most dry people, the most tired people, the most hungry people, like the, they always, for whatever reason, God brings them to their doorstep and they lead them to Jesus. During the pandemic, um, Germany has been on super lockdown. You can't even go to a town right, you know, 30 minutes down the street without getting a fine in some cases. And so they were on super lockdown in the middle of all of the pandemic and they just prayed, God, we want to, we want to be used by you. And so God, instead of them going to meet people, God brought people literally to their doorstep who needed Jesus. And in the pandemic, I believe, they, um, they baptized some people in a bathtub because you couldn't get into a church service or you couldn't get into, hey, you need to be baptized. Let's baptize you now. Let's fill up the tub and let's baptize you now, which is just absolutely incredible. And so the people that we're about to talk to today have a legacy of Serving God, loving God, loving people, generosity, obedience, faith. It's going to be a good day. My, my grandparents asked me, what do you want from us when we die? What do you want in our inheritance as your inheritance? And I said, I just want the legacy. That's what I want. And really, I want our church to carry that legacy. And so today, the stories that they're going to tell, let's pick them up and let's wear them as a church. Let's walk in them as a church. This Bible was the Bible that my granddad had when he felt the call of God to go into full-time ministry. He just gave me this for my birthday this last year. Super thankful for that. And, um, and the stories that they're gonna share today are gonna be impactful. They're gonna change your life. They're gonna, uh, if we embrace these stories, then we can walk in the same legacy that they have walked in. Are you tracking with me? So let's give a huge, huge, huge welcome to Watson and Erica Klutz as they come up to speak with us this morning. My grandparents, heroes. Grandma and granddaddy. I gave grandma a hug. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna give granddaddy a, a hug later. Granddaddy used to always say, we used to do bear hugs. He was really good at bear hugs. So, love you, granddaddy. Your mic's right here. It's still messed up. All right. 
They said this chair's messed up. If I fall when I sit down, it's because the chair's broken. <laughs> okay, we're good for now. Um, Grandma, Granddaddy, thank you for taking some time to talk to us this morning. We did this with our staff kind of by accident a couple weeks ago. They were, they were around, and I said, hey, why don't you talk to our staff? They ended up talking to our staff for an hour and a half just telling stories, and they were so it was so good for our team, and so we're going to do the same thing this morning. So, granddaddy, grandma, um, I want to kind of start with 40 years ago, if you just give us kind of the, the quick version of 40 years ago, the prayer that you prayed, um, and kind of what your life was like the first 40 years, and then the decision that you made for the next 40 years. Well, the first 40 years, I was just like almost all other American people I knew, I was serving me. I was looking where I could earn the most money, where I could uh, have the best life, or what I could do that would be adventurous or whatever. And uh, oh, we were just living it up, parties on the weekend, there's one thing I have to say. Even if we had a party on Saturday, we went to church on Sunday. <laughs> you know how that old country song, eh? country music listener. <laughs> and we would, uh, they used to say, we raise cane on Saturday, but we go to church on Sunday. <laughs> and that's uh, kind of the way we lived. We wanted to serve God. We believed in him from time we were kids, but we really didn't serve him, and uh, I guess the first step I made was when I started a business and remembered that my father told me about a businessman who gave a tithe of his business to the Lord, and, the next, and he was so successful that the next year he doubled that and went to 20%. And he kept increasing that, and at the time, he was 90%. At 90% of his income, he was given to the Lord, and he had a humongous house and, and big farm and everything. And I thought, well, I, that would be good if I could do that. But he was telling me, the blessings of God will be on you if you do that. Well, I was always wanted to tithe, but didn't think I could because I didn't have anything. And so I told my wife, we weren't married yet, but I told her, I said, I'm going to buy a service station business. And, and I said, we're going to make a little more money than we used to, I hope. And I said, uh, I, want, I want to start it off by tithing to our Lutheran church. And she said, tithing? I said, yeah, it's in the Bible. I can show you. And so I showed her, and she said, well, okay, well, let's do that. And after the first year, uh, we didn't earn as much as we had hoped for. And she said, well, what are we going to do this year? Let's reduce it a little bit. She was the budget keeper, you know, trying to keep <laughs> us in, in the right direction. And I said, reduce it. I said, I don't want to earn as little as I did last year. I said, let's increase it. 
So that, I think, was probably the spark that got us started. And then later on, a few years later, things weren't going as well as we thought they should. And somebody came in our house and said, there's more than what you have. And I think that's the key. I don't care where you are this morning, where you are with God. There's more than what you have. We can't exhaust what's in him. It's more in him. And then, uh, so we began to seek what was more in him. For me, personally, we began to seek the Lord, both of us together, uh, through some books that we had been given. And I remember one Saturday, I spent the whole Saturday in my house crying. And I remember praying saying, God, I want to give you everything. I want to give you my whole life. And if that means I have to give up this, uh, like drinking too much and stuff like that, I'm willing to do that. I heard myself say that, and I thought, man, it's the first time in my life I ever said that. And God took me by, my, by his word. And I remember crying all day long. And I, Jesus said that you can't come to him unless you decide in your heart that you're going to start a new life. And you have to be willing to start a new life with him. And it's going to be different, but it's going to be better. And it may not seem that way right then, because I didn't want to give up all these things that I knew weren't good for us. But... At the end, you're much better off. And that was when I gave my life to the Lord. I believe that's when I was born again. That's so awesome. So, Granddaddy, you, you were kind of, I love, I love that thing, there's more in God. First of all, to everyone in this room, there's always more in God. Always. And you're never going to outgive God. You're never going to outserve God. You're never going to out, there's always more in God. And that's in our relationship with God. That's in our pursuit of God. The, the irony is the Bible verse says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And the, the paradox of the Christian life is that when you're seeking the things, they, you can't get a hold of them. Like, it's, like, it's like two um, magnets where north and north are pointed at each other and you keep running after money and it's always getting away from you. You keep running after enjoyment and it's always getting away from you. It might satisfy temporarily, but it doesn't stay, right? But when we seek first the kingdom of God, we reorient our life towards God, then God brings all kinds of awesome stuff in our life. But it's not about the stuff, right? It's not that we serve God to get because you might also get persecuted. You might also have times where there's not enough. You might, it's loving God just for the joy of who he is. And when we pursue him that way, then it unlocks a whole world of incredible, it, it, it might not be that you have a million dollar home and a bunch of property and all that. You might actually lose everything that you have but find something even better than all this stuff. Are you tracking with what I'm saying this morning? So, Granddaddy, so you prayed a prayer when you were 40 years old, kind of in this same season. Tell us about that prayer a little bit. And so, well, 
I was just standing in my yard one night or one afternoon and I was looking around and I said, God, I have really served myself for 40 years. I'm 40 years old. If you give me at least 40 more, I'll serve you with everything I have. And I really meant it. And so I was ready to go. See, I was always looking for adventure. And I didn't know where to find it. I thought maybe I need to immigrate to Australia or someplace. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of all kinds of things that I could do. But they weren't what God wanted me to do. Yeah. And when I said that to him, at first I had to get over what I had, get rid of what I had built before. Because it was not built for him, it was built for me. And we wound up selling everything we had. Eventually we sold our home. Uh, that was the last thing to go. But we sold everything else. We had two houses on the eastern shore of Virginia. We sold those. We had a big piece of land. We had boat. I sold the boat because uh, it was an inboard outboard and I was so busy serving God that I failed to winterize it and the block busted. And so <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, I need to get rid of that thing. I don't want to work on it forever. And so that began to move us into a different, a different direction. I love that. When you, when you have built a life for yourself, you might have to tear some stuff down when you start building your life for God because That's the foundation's right. not right. The, you're, the, everything's not right. So they sold a bunch of stuff. They cashed in things that they needed to. They had a bunch of debt. They wiped out as much debt as they could and they you know, reoriented their life around God. It's not just a prayer that you pray of, you know, in, in the Bible, there's, um, there's not a, if you wanna receive Jesus, raise your hand and repeat after me. Um, there are people who wanna receive Jesus who say, what do we have to do to be saved? What do we have to do? And I think that when you really are having a real encounter with God or when you really want to start serving Jesus, you're willing to do anything to serve him. You're willing to do anything to go after him. And so they sold a bunch of stuff. They reoriented their life. You prayed that prayer. And I think what most people think is that they're going to step into ministry with some beautiful, like, fanfare. Welcome into ministry. Welcome into serving God. Welcome into, and people are going to praise you and champion you. But um, what really happened, Granddaddy, was when you first started in ministry, you were at the house of prayer and... Um, great church. It's the church that we came out of. It's now Hope Point Church today. Um, they had 82 acres of land, a bunch of cattle and all kinds of stuff um, on in a barn and all that. And so granddaddy, tell us what your first ministry job was when you said yes to serving the kingdom of God. Well, my, my first ministry job was uh, uh, Steve asked me to go with him to uh, an auction that the county was having of old school buses, and we wanted to buy a school bus to pick up people from Hopewell and bring them to church. 
and we found a few good deals that day, and we bought five school buses. <laughs> and then I had to get them, I had to fix them so we could get them inspected. <laughs> And we had 44 cows that had to be fed. They had, you know, in the summer they could graze in the pastures, but they had to have hay for the winter, and we had to get hay from farmers, or some of them would even let us cut their things, and then they have had a whole lot of outdated, used farm equipment that had been used to live wasn't much left in it and I was fixing vehicles and uh, feeding cattle and trying to keep the fences up and I remember one day I was making some tables to go in a building we were building and uh, all of a sudden a uh, police car drove up out front this police woman got out and said, I want to know, from Chesterfield County Police, said, I want to know who's responsible for those cows. Somebody's going to jail. This is the third time this week that, it's been in the that they've been in the neighbor's garden. I said, I'm responsible. Why don't you take me? And then somebody else can worry about the fences. <laughs> <laughs> and so... <laughs> During that time, we had a house group. We were living in Hopewell, and we had a house group, and we had, at times, with kids, 44 people in our house group, and we met every Tuesday. And the guy who was, the man who was uh, the elder over that house group went to Texas to start a church. So Watson thought, I'm gonna be the elder over that house group. And so he told me, he says, I want to be the elder over that house group. Well, nobody ever made him an elder over that house group. And I told him, I said, what do you want to be an elder for? That's just more work. We don't need to do that. But he wanted to be an elder so bad. And I often had to talk to him and encourage him. But he was never made an elder. And... Later, he told me that it formed his character. You know, you're not after a position. You're just after doing what God wants you wow, to do. that's so good. I think, I think we think we're going to come into ministry, or I'm going to serve God, and it's going to be this beautiful thing and this awesome thing. And his first thing at the church was, hey, we got a bunch of cows that need taken care of. Can you go take care of them, please? And, um, and fixing buses. And uh, they were building a building at the time. And my granddad was really feeling called to ministry, to pastor people, to take care of people. And, um, and the building project was happening, and my granddad oversaw that building project. And he went to Pastor Steve, and he said, Pastor Steve, I really feel like I'm supposed to go to Germany and start a church. And Steve said to him, he said, hey, I'll release you when this building is done being built. Sounds, sounds harsh the way I just said it, but... Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll send you out when this building is done being built. So granddaddy said, okay. So he went and he went to work on building the building. And I just want to highlight for just a second that a lot of us want to jump straight from raising our hand and saying yes to the title of honor and position and authority, right? That's what we want. We want, I said yes to Jesus and now look at me, I'm in this prominent place. But God has to form our character, 
That's he has right. to form our character. And so uh, David gets anointed king over Israel, and then he gets sent back into the field to take care of the sheep, right? He's not immediately put into the thing. The, a char- character has to form. And so Paul says, it's good for you to want to be an elder. That's a, that's a noble thing that you want. But if you want it because you want the title or the, or the position, God's going to take a season of beating that out of you so that you do it for the people, not for the title or the position or the authority, right? And I just love that um, I think this is a, I think that season was such a great season of forming this is about God and serving people. This isn't about me getting a title or me getting a position. This is about me serving the kingdom of God and serving people. I just loved that so much, even though it was probably not a favorite season. It was a season that really grew your character and made you ready for the next season. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I spent another four years working on that building and doing my rest of my job I finally convinced Steve to sell the cows. That was one good thing. (laughs) And uh, that did more to form me. By the time I got to Germany, I wasn't looking to be a pastor of anything. Somebody asked me one day, well, the people don't call you pastor this or pastor that. I said, they said, they They need to call you pastor and show you respect. I tell you what, I am respected by my church. And they call me Watson, which is my name. And uh, the position will not make you more respected or less respected. Wow, that's good. I have, you know, I was in the military for a short while in my younger years. And I've seen a lot of people with rank that didn't have respect. Mm. And so if you want respect, you have to deal fairly and godly in a godly manner with other people. If you do that, you'll have it. Whether you got a title or not, that doesn't matter. So good. And that's, uh, that's the way we started out. And I Like I say, we spent four years praying for God to send us somebody to help us. And often I talked to him and told him, hey, there's a lot of people younger than me. And after we got to Germany, I said, I don't know why you didn't send a younger person here to start this church. God spoke to me one day and he said, your age is the biggest asset Mm. you have. So don't worry about how old you are or how young you are. The guy that's leading our church was born the year that we established the church. (laughs) And in 1991, he was born that year. I was 50 years old that year. I had no idea that when he came kicking and screaming that he would be the one that would lead the church. (laughs) And, uh, you know, God works in people as they get older. And I, I appreciate so much young people. You've got to have a heart for young people. You know what? Young people don't always do what we want them to do. 
In fact, most of the time, they don't do what we want them to do. <laughs> but if they're godly young people, they're following him, yeah. and forget about what you want them to do, it's what God wants them to do that's important. I think I just, I just saw a picture while you were saying that. The Bible wants us to build generational ministry, not that every generation starts from scratch on its own and tries to figure right. stuff out. It's part of what I hate about this new movement to reject the Bible or reject church history. And I don't mean church history like American history. I mean 2,000 years of church history and reject some of this stuff. Part of what bothers me about that is we're knocking the foundation out from under us and starting over again from scratch. Something that has been built by thousands of years of people faithful to Jesus laying the foundation. Paul says, I've laid the foundation as an expert builder. Everyone who builds upon it must take care how they build because it will be judged. And I just believe that the stuff that's not of God, God's gonna get rid of it, he's gonna weed it out. But the stuff that is of God, we should build on that, right? And so there's kind of a generational thing that's supposed to happen. And when I kind of see a picture of a train where if some of the cars are disconnected from the other cars, like it's, we're not all moving together, right? And we need every generation locked in with each other, moving together. We need young and old in the church. We need the wisdom and the heritage and the legacy of those who've gone before us. We need the passion and the energy and the excitement of young people. And, um, and young and old is not an, a number, it's, a, it's an attitude, it's a spirit, right? My grandparents are very, very young people. They are always surrounded by young people. If you go to their church, their church, they were the youth pastors of their church in, in the, in, when they were in their 70s because the youth pastor wasn't really serving God properly and kind of fell away. And they stepped in and said, well, we'll be the youth pastors. And at 70 years old, and they were full of young people that loved them. And were and why? Because it's not about what you look like or how young or how old you are. When you have the Holy Spirit and the love of God in you, you will be effective at reaching people who look nothing like you. At people. So, um, so yeah, so just this whole idea of generational ministry, young and old, moving together into what God's called us to. I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. When we took over the youth group, because we had to fire our youth pastor, I told Watson, I said, who's going to lead the youth group? He said, we are. I said, oh my gosh, are they going <laughs> to accept us? So what we did was we Next Friday, after we fired the youth pastors, the youth didn't know were we going to have a youth group or not. We were there on Friday. We found a couple of people in the youth group. One could play, the, play music, was really good. So we made him the youth band leader. And a lady, a girl, she's the new pastor's sister uh, in Hove, in our church. She helped us do programs every week. So we appointed young people. Hey, you're going to do skits. You're responsible for skits. <laughs> we had, uh, you're responsible for, for this, uh, for greeting. You're responsible for this. And we had, we used all our youth group to, uh, to, to get them to, to do stuff. Go ahead. And 
one thing we did that really was a hit, we made one of the girls in the youth group the head of the kitchen. <laughs> and we ate. We had a dinner every Friday evening. <laughs> we had something to eat. And the kids cooked. But it was, if you got teenagers coming to a youth group, food will attract more than anything <laughs> else. <laughs> I just, I, I just love that in their 70s, they're like, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Not because it's not about me. It's not about how young or how old or it's not about, it's God is doing the ministry. God is doing the work, right? So we just become kind of like willing vessels to be used by God. Okay, God, I'll, I'll do it, right? I think about Abraham and Sarah who are way too old to have kids, but God says, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this through you. Okay, like it, it's up to God to determine when we're done. It's not up to us you know, it's, it's up to exactly God. Right. And as long as I have breath in my body, God's going to do something in and through me, right? Um, I love that spirit and that attitude. I want to shift gears for a second. So they started a church. They um, had, there was actually several churches that you started that you oversaw. And some of those kind of became part of one church now. Um, but they started several churches. Um, they had a a building that they've renovated that is kind of a Bible school building that is being used right now. They have groups with refugees. A lot, a lot of Germans freaked out during the refugee crisis because so many refugees were coming into the country and they were getting nervous and, and well, what is this going to do and what is this going to mean? And grandma and granddaddy were like, this is awesome. God is bringing the harvest right to us. We don't even have to go there. They're bringing the, God's bringing the harvest to us. And, um, and so they just told those people about Jesus, taught them German, taught them English, just how, what life skills do you need? How can we help you? How can we take care of you? They use this Bible school building for some of those classes, for some of that stuff. Like I said, they baptized refugees in bathtubs oh, because they- That was they, a German, was a German. That was a German, okay, <laughs> my bad. The, um, but bap, baptizing people in their, in their tub, in their, in their house, and it's like, I think sometimes we, we overthink what we need in order to lead people to Jesus. You know, well, I can't do that because I'm too old. Well, I can't do that because I'm too young. Well, I can't do that because I don't look right. I can't do that because I don't this or I don't that or I'm not smart enough or I'm too smart or I'm this or I'm that. Like all these lies are lies. All God needs is someone to put up their hand and say, I'm available. Pick me, God. I'll do it. Whatever you need me to do, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Um, Grandma said something in last service that I want to repeat here. She said, a lot of people worry about what's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God? What's the will of God? And she said, the will of God is what, what does he put right in front of you right now? What does he put right in front of you right now? So right now, that might mean in Grandma and Granddaddy's story, Grandma went to work for a company when they moved to Germany because Granddaddy couldn't get a job there at first, and so she went to work, and she worked for seven years while he was building a church, wasn't able to earn income. She was working. What's the will of God? The will of God is what has God put right in front of me right now that I just need to say yes to? Um, and Grandma, you said a lot about just for you that that was a lot of just serving Granddaddy, just serving his vision and serving 
whatever crazy ideas. Yeah, serving God, serving God, but serving uh, whatever whatever Granddaddy said. Hey, we're gonna crazy move to Germany ideas. or whatever. You're like, okay. So why don't you just for a second just talk about that will of God thought? Before I do that, I would like to say one more thing about the youth group. What Granddaddy just said that young people don't do what you ask them to do. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say one more thing about the youth group. I'm having a harder time with you guys. Than, I'm just kidding. You guys are great. Say whatever you want, Grandma. <laughs> what I want to say is we just, we loved the youth, the young people that we had. And we would counsel with them and they would tell us about how terrible, terrible parents they had. <laughs> and we would tell them, hey, look. Parents are human too, and they make mistakes. We just have to forgive, and and we would establish relationships with them, and they trusted us. And out of that youth group came all all of our leadership. Wow! At, at the church, we have several of that came out of that youth group. That's great. Okay, you want me to say? No, I just the, just the will of God. I think a lot of people overthink what the will of God is for their life, and just. It doesn't have to be that complicated, right? So last service, you were, okay, let's not do that. Let's do something different. <laughs> let's do something different. Okay, grandma taught me how to pray. My grandparents taught me how to pray growing up. They taught me how to pray. It was so simple. It wasn't like get down on your hands and knees and whatever, although they had moments like that too. But grandma and granddaddy taught me how to pray. Sometimes we'd be sitting at the table, and I asked my grandma one day, um, do you have to pray before you eat a meal? And she just kind of looked at me and she said, do you have to pray before you eat a meal? She said, I can't imagine not thanking God for all the beautiful things that he's provided for us. So there's one attitude that's like a religious attitude that's like, do I have to pray to God to thank him for this meal? There's another attitude that's like, I'm so thankful that he put this on my table. Let me thank him. And so I learned growing up how to pray by watching them, and it wasn't some super religious, got to get in a certain position and do a certain thing and say, it was just talking to God, just talking to God. So grandma and I would walk through the park. Can I say that part? Of You're it? allowed to say whatever you want, grandma. <laughs> okay, Kyle was uh, in first grade. He had gone to first grade for six months. His sister, Lindsay, was in fourth grade. And uh, the parents came to Germany and lived in Germany with us for about three years. And Kyle and Lindsay did not speak any German at all. And within just a few days, they had to go to school. And I remember that day so much. Uh, they, Dennis said, our son said, how, how can they how can they do that? And the parents took him to school. And Kyle was real cool. He went with his teacher right away. And the parents asked Lindsay if, uh, Lindsay's teacher, if they could go to class with her. And she said, nope. And she told me later that she didn't want hysterical parents on her hands. <laughs> and so anyway, to make a long story short, within Six months, those kids spoke German, and they hadn't spoken any German before. They both speak German real well now. 
And during those six months, I did homework with Kyle every day. She did my homework. And Kyle, no, Kyle didn't have a lot of endurance. <laughs> <laughs> he said, come on, Grandma. He would talk me out of it. Come on, Grandma, we'll do this later. Or not now. We've done enough now. Kenzie's like, this sounds really familiar. Do the and dishes. Come on, babe. <laughs> not right now. And Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay was different. Lindsay wanted, she didn't even need a whole lot of help. She wanted to get her stuff done and do it right. And Kyle wanted to play. <laughs> Always wanted to do that. Okay, so Jesus <laughs> so, <laughs> fits into this story somewhere, somehow. Well, what I was going to say is I spent a lot of time with Kyle. And sometimes we would go to the park. And I would start praying. And I didn't tell him how to pray or what to say, but I would start, we'd enter the park and I'd say, oh God, I thank you for this wonderful day. And Kyle would finish my sentence. And I thank you that the sun is shining. Then we'd go on and we'd see some ducks on a little pond. And I would say something about God, you gave us those beautiful ducks to enjoy. And he would say, yeah, look at their feathers. They are so pretty. Thank you, God, for their pretty feathers. We would walk like that, sometimes for an hour. And he would finish my sentence every time. And I realized when Kyle was very young, he was very spiritual. And he could, he could understand the things of God. I remember when he was maybe five, and it was here in America, that uh, Pastor Scott Harding prayed for him to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I remember that so well. We were visiting at that time. And uh, it took a, took a little while, but after a little while, he started speaking in tongues with his tiny little voice. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so real. And I can't remember Kyle ever not having God in his life. Mm. That's what I wanted to say about Jesus. Oh. <laughs> okay, I was just going to add to that what they were doing when they were walking through the park is they were practicing the presence of God. Yes. And you know, if you practice the presence of God... You don't have to have this 15 minutes that I've got to sit down in a corner somewhere by myself so and good. pray. So good. You're with him all the time. Yep. You hear from him. Yep. God is so, it's so easy for him to tell you, say this now. Yeah. One time as we were smuggling Bibles into uh Hungary. Hungary was communist, but not so hard communist as Russia. And we had a load of Russian Bibles in a camper. And uh, we had to cross the border into Hungary. And there was a man in Hungary who had a business. He made tank parts for Russia. And what he would do is he had contacts in Russia and he would load the Bibles into a barrel, label it tank parts, and send it to Russia. 
and he had a guy in the business there that took the baubles and distributed them. Well, when we get on the border with, uh, with uh, Hungary, we're standing there, and the other guy, he's about my age at the time, and, and well, he still is, but <laughs> <laughs> he's younger than me. Anyway, he, he and I were both married. We both had rings on our fingers, and they, the guy that customs that was questioning us wanted to know why we were going to Hungary. And I said, well, we're going for a vacation. And he said, but you're both married and you don't have your wives along. Why are you going on vacation together? God, I need a word. And I said, you don't have women in Hungary? We heard that you did. He says, oh, you go to this town and this town. <laughs> <laughs> and then they smuggled Bibles in. <laughs> And he let us go. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus said, I'll give you the words you need to say when you need them. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Um, we're going to kind of wrap up with um, a story kind of recently. Um, I'll give the backstory as quickly as I can because we're running out of time. But when my grandma and granddad first said yes to Jesus, they had a life insurance policy that they cashed in. They had $4,000 um, that was a part of that life insurance policy. And um, they were at a place where they were saying, God, will give you everything. Whatever you want, you can have it. And so on several different occasions, God told them to give pieces of that money away, pieces of that money away, pieces of that money away. And the whole time they're like, oh, we need some of this money. We need, that was all the money they had. And God kept saying, I want you to give this to this missionary. I want you to give this to this church. I want you to give this. So they gave all 4,000 of that away. When they moved to Germany, someone gave them a house when they moved to Germany. It's a nice house. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's a great house. And someone gave them a house. So God was already teaching them that you can't outgive God, right. right? You give money over here, I'm gonna take care of you over here. You do this, I'm gonna take care of well, granddaddy and grandma were starting a building fund for their church, and they had 65000 that they had raised, and they were in America, and so they, they had raised this money to build this building in Germany or buy a building in Germany, and they were in America, and there was a missionary from Ecuador, and that missionary said that they needed 65000 in order to buy a piece of land for their church, and they needed to buy it quickly or it wasn't going to be available and he felt like God said, I want you to buy this, or I want you to give this money. I want you to give that money. So their church, who needed the money for their building, gave the money to this pastor in Ecuador to buy their land and, and do what they needed to do in Ecuador. And my granddad has been praying this prayer for years and years and years and years and years. God, the Bible says that you're going to give 30, 60, and 100 fold um, above and beyond, right? And And... I need my return, God. We gave you that 65,000 over here. I need, I need you to pull through. I need, I need that return. And not in, a, not in a way of like personal blessing, but for the kingdom of God. We gave 65 over here. Our church needs, needs to be blessed. And so 
They've been praying that prayer for years. And in 2019, why don't you tell a little bit about Carl and what happened in 2019? Well, Carl was a cousin of Erica's cousin. And uh, he called us one day, that was long before 2019, and said, when people get a little bit older, they need to have a network of people that they can depend on. And he told Erica, ask, ask Watson if you'd like, if you two could be part of my network. Well, Carl is single, never been married. He lived together with his brother in the house that they grew up in until the brother died a few years earlier than that. And uh, they were very frugal and they saved their money and we knew they had a little bit. We had no idea how much or didn't really care. But he needed help. And first thing is, Erica said to him, what do you eat? Where do you eat, Carl? And he says, well, I eat out most of the time except breakfast and dinner. I'll fix the sam uh, evening. I'll fix a sandwich. And she said, well, I, I, you need to eat good food. And so she helped him and he had some medical problems and anyway after a few years he said ask if I would uh, do his funeral when he died and I said sure so he had everything all worked out how he wanted it to go and everything and so we worked out the details on that and I'll let Erica tell you what he said to her and he kept talking about his heirs and who was gonna inherit his money. And finally I said, Carl, I said, who are your heirs? Because he told me, he says, I'll give you uh, some money, I'll allocate some money that you can use for the funeral and a little bit left over for you. I said, well, who are your heirs? And he said, the Animal Protection Society I said, oh no. I said, you're leaving your money to animals? I said, you need to leave your money to people. And he said, I want to leave my money to an organization because when my brother died and I got his stuff, I had to pay 30% inheritance tax. He said, I don't want anybody to pay any inheritance tax on my stuff. And uh, he said, so I'll leave my money to an organization. So I had this idea. I didn't tell him right away. <laughs> but then I told him, I said, you know what? I said, our church is doing a great, st great stuff. We have this ministry and that ministry. And we eventually need a building. Why don't you leave your money to our church? So... The next day, he called me and he said, uh, who are your officers and give me your constitution. Constitution? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I gave, brought it to him right away. And then he said, can I go to church with you on Sunday? So he was a Seventh-day Adventist and they have a very structured organization. And... I thought, oh, you have to go to church with us on Sunday. It's going to be loud. <laughs> and so we picked him up and, and drove him there. And 
then after the church service, and it was really loud that day, and lots of stuff going on. Afterwards, I said, Carl, what did you think? And he said, well, he said, I think that uh, it, it was more than what I had expected. It was, he appreciated the service. He, yeah, he said I was pleasantly surprised. So then, we, when we brought him home, he said, sit on my couch. So we sat on his couch and he said, I made up my mind about what I'm gonna do. He said, I'm gonna leave my money, I'm gonna make your church my heir. And he says, and I'll leave you my house and I'll fix it so that you don't have to pay inheritance tax at the, the air, the church will pay your inheritance tax. And he had this little, little old house. And when he died a couple years ago now, maybe three, 2019, he left our church in Hope 1.1 million euros which is more in dollars, 10% more. And, and he left me his house and with the inheritance tax being paid by the church. So you, you, know, you never know. Watson said that was a 30-fold return of what we gave to the church in Ecuador at that time, not knowing how we would live, you know? It's always like that. God puts you on the edge. Do you trust me or don't you? And I think faith in God and trust in God is the biggest thing you can do and stay in peace. Stay in his peace no matter what. His word is always true. He's going to help us out of all our problems. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And we have realized that all our lives. And I think more than any of the smuggling that we've done and what we've done, the most important thing is what was the result of it? You don't always know what happens when you do something. Right. But that young man that we snuggled, smuggled out of uh, Hungary so many years ago is now a religious teacher in Belgium and he's serving God. When he became a Christian, he told his mother, I want, I want Watson to baptize me in hope. And they came and we baptized him in a lake. And uh, his mother was a refugee at the time, uh, at the time we got him. And uh, so now he is a religion teacher in Belgium. So God has ways. And when, when we are cooperating with him, something good's going to turn out of it. So good. That's so good. We have to end here because we're out of time. Um, but you can stay next service, and I'm sure other stories will pop out that we didn't talk about yet. But um, did you guys enjoy this today? A rich legacy, a rich heritage, and you can be a part of it too. Like, you can, you can jump in, you can be a part, just pray the same prayer, live the same way, right? 
God, my life is 100% yours. Whatever you want for me, whatever you need for me, whatever, it's, you can have it all, right? And so um, that's the kind of life that all of us should want to live. So Grandma, Granddaddy, love you guys. I'm excited to talk to you more next service. Let me pray over the church real quick. If you guys would just stand up with me, I want to pray a prayer over you. Thank you, God, for a rich legacy and heritage that our church was started out of. We were a part of this story, but God, we're a part of something even bigger than that, too. This goes back thousands of years to when Jesus founded his church. It's been passed generation to generation to generation, and some, some seasons have been awful in history, and some of them have been uh, pro- prosperous in history, but you have been faithful in every season. And so, God, you're the one we trust. You're the one we follow. You're the one that we obey. If times are good or if they're bad, it doesn't matter. We're going to serve you. We're going to follow you. God, would you help our church to be a generous church, a faith-filled church, a church that um, values young and old, every different color, every different, uh, uh, all different tribes and tongues and languages and cultures, God, that we would value people, just value people, love them and serve, God, that we would serve you and that we would love and serve people as well. God, I thank you. Would you help us all to walk in this legacy this week and, um, and, and be generous givers, giver, not just of our finances, but of our words that we would speak the best, believe the best, lift people up, encourage people, that we would uh, just go out of our way this week to love the way that you love Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. 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 Thanks so much for joining us today. Be blessed. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. We can't wait to see you guys next week. And if you want to talk to my grandparents, they're going to be up here in just a second. You can say hi to them and talk to them a little bit. Be blessed. Have a great Sunday.